the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights, yeah, a different city every night, oh, I, I swear, the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. Hi, it's Paula Peterson, and welcome to Get Down to Business. I'm standing in for Shalom Klein, our friend, our very good friend who's off serving our country. And just a reminder, Get Down to Business is powered by Tandem HR, our very good friends at Tandem HR, and you can find them always at tandemhr.com. And today, my guest is Steve Rauschenberger, president of the Technology and Manufacturing Association, also known as the TMA. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm very happy to have you. You are a friend of AM560. I know you've been on with Dan Proft and Amy before. And a listener. And a listener, of course. And um, so what I want to do is really get down to business and find out how are these partnerships um, how do you build on these partnerships that the TMA makes? I know, like right on your website, it says that, you know, you're not just networking, you're connecting people. What's the message there? Yeah, well, TMA is an association of uh, about a thousand small to medium sized manufacturers in the Chicago metropolitan area, all in about nine counties. So Cook and the Collars and a few others. Um, and what we do is we, we kind of provide the, 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 the programs and the connections that a small business might not have. For example, um, we have a wonderful 401k program. We have over 66 manufacturers pool their retirement savings together and we invest them as one fund. So we, we have a $130 million hammer when we go to market instead of just a $2 million hammer that a small manufacturer would have by themselves. So that results in lower costs and, and better returns. We've got a wonderful uh, HR program where we support small manufacturers who, you know, they maybe don't have the expertise to do their own handbook or they, they need help on questions if they have to do uh, discipline with a, an employee. We provide those kind of services that strengthen a small manufacturer. Most of our members are really great engineers or they're, they're, they're great finance guys. They're strong and part of their business. And we kind of fill in uh, for the areas where they may not have the expertise or the resources to hire a, a specialist to, to do their 401k or have the expertise to manage their employee benefits. I got it. Okay. And so um – Give me give me a picture of what the average business looks like, and then are, how are you bringing people together to do business with each other? Well, the, the average TMA member probably has about seventy five employees. They're probably around uh, twenty eight or thirty five thousand square feet. They probably have more than twenty five production machines. Um, they're doing business all over the world, interestingly enough. Uh, they're in the supply chain. Most of my members, they make something that goes to somebody else who assembles it into something that goes to Ford. 
So these are these are uh, specialists. They, they they make one component exceptionally well, and and um, so they're 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 called supply chain guys. So they're third tier and second tier supply chain. They don't. They they don't sell directly to Ford. They sell mm-hmm. to to Delco that sells to Ford, or they sell to Fisher Body that sells to General Motors. So they they sell into the supply chain. They they do specific things extraordinarily well. Um, so that's kind of how they impact it. What we do is we we bring these very very bright hardworking people together and kind of cross fertilize them. You know that this guy uh, you know. None of them. Every problem they encounter, somebody else has encountered before them. So if we can share amongst ourselves the expertise and the solution to problems, I'm having this problem with the 606 steel. You know, it, and the shavings aren't working right, or I can't get this form to work. Um, so we, we kind of bring them together for that. The other thing is, since they're in different parts of manufacturing, because we're we're broad based organization. Um, one of our membership guys says you never can bring 10 TMA members together in a room where one of them doesn't find a customer. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they buy from each other and they do services for each other. Um, so, And see, I think that's a huge value of an association. It's really about doing business with each other, like-minded people, people who are going through the same experiences. Like you said, finding out how to fix or create something that someone else might be doing and thinks is easy and can offer an opinion or information. Right. So they, they can be each other's uh, production engineers because they, mm-hmm. they don't have the kind of staff that, that Ford might have or Caterpillar might have. So, you know, they provide each other with advice and, and solutions. So that's really positive. We have over 60 events each year at TMA that bring people together. Now, there are different kinds of events, but, you know, almost every single week there's two or three events happening on our calendar. So there's lots of opportunities. If you're an HR specialist, we have an HR peer group. If you're concerned about OSHA safety, we have an OSHA peer group that meets uh, four times a year. We also have classes that relate to safety in the, the workplace. So there's something for everybody. It's a big, rich buffet, and members Come to TMA and take the things they need to strengthen their organization. I like that. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Get Down to Business. I'm Paula Peterson. We're talking with Steve Rauschenberger, President of Technology and Manufacturing Association. And Steve, you've been um, president since 2015, right? Correct. And of course, you're very well known in Illinois from politics. <laughs> yeah, But you've served for 15 years in the Illinois State Senate. Yes, I'm, I'm recovering. And you're recovering from I'm that? I'm recovering from that. I got out of Springfield without an indictment. <laughs> Look, that's excellent. We like to hear that here. <laughs> well, getting back to the TMA, uh, you are working with over or nearly represent nearly a thousand small and mid-sized manufacturers. Yeah, people would be surprised to know that in the Chicago metropolitan mm-hmm. area and that the six or seven, eight counties around Chicago, there are over 4,000 small and medium-sized manufacturers. These are, these are companies with potential between five and 500 employees. Um, about 80% of manufacturing employment is not in Caterpillar or Ford or John Deere. It's mm-hmm. in small manufacturers that make parts and, and components for uh, manufacturing. So, yeah, we represent maybe one in four or one in five of the manufacturers in the Chicago area. And we'd like to, of course, invite more people to join us. But So we provide those services to kind of strengthen them because they're crucial to middle-class jobs and middle-class opportunity in the state of Illinois. So take us through that 
that um, discovery, uh, a manufacturer, I mean, I can't imagine people not already knowing that there's an association, but maybe they do, and they, they find you. What's that next step? What are What's happening there? Well, the challenge for most small manufacturers is they're busy running their business. They're on the floor making sure things get done. They're making sure the tools are ingested. Their problem is there's, there's too much information outside, not, you know, that they don't hear about it. There's probably... 10 or 12 different associations that serve manufacturers that are active in the Chicago area. We're just one of them. I think we're the best because we're broad spectrum. There you go. Okay. Mm-hmm. There are specialty mm-hmm. organizations that are really good that a manufacturer should be a member of their specialty too. I mean, if you're a coder, if you coat metal, you need to be part of the National Coders Association so you get that specific technology and that information that's really, really narrow to your specialty. But we provide kind of the broad services that strengthen you as an employee employer and as a manufacturer. We help you with the public policy. We've got hopefully a relationship with your mayor or your village board. So we, we strengthen the other parts of your association. So the, the challenge for a member is that they're busy. They've got they hear too much. They think, I don't need any more help. What I need you know, is two more employees. Um, so we're just patient. I mean, people come to us when they're ready. We, we try to go out and find them. We reach out uh, with radio and, and try to um, Get people to come to the website, take a look, um, and, and we think we've got a lot to offer. So if somebody is interested right away, they could go to tmaillinois.org. Right. Correct. They, tmaillinois.org. Okay. Or and you're on all the us. social media. Absolutely. All right. And you can email me at sjr, my initials sjr, at tmaillinois.org. I mean, if there's a manufacturer out there or a company that's got a question, happy to talk to them. Great. Um, so I want to talk a little bit uh, about this. You know, You have a complete... Um, state-of-the-art training facility, but I, I know I read you were saying it's estimated that nearly 3.5 million manufacturing jobs will be needed. Yes, there's a... 3.5 million needed with 2 million of the jobs going unfilled because there's a skill gap. Yes, yes. Right? I mean, this, this comes out of the U.S. Department of Commerce understanding of what's going on nationally. We, we have a, a gray tsunami that's about to hit us. You know, we've got all these baby boomers who are highly skilled, been involved in the manufacturing mm-hmm. trade, are really the guys that, that kind of brought um, the United gonna, States up of the right. last 15 years. And they're years. going to be retiring. They're going to be retiring. They're, 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 that's the gray tsunami. We, we don't have a big group of young people following them. So one of the cha- I mean we're winning we're winning the reshoring battle with China. I mean we with or without tariffs the United States is out producing the rest of the world. Our challenge is if we're not careful in 10 years there's going to be nobody to turn on the machines. Mm-hmm. Um so we need to make sure people understand the opportunity. We need to tell people that manufacturing pays 40% better wages than retail or finance. I mean there's there's great opportunities for families and and to to have jobs that you can have a middle class lifestyle with. No, that's awesome. I, I you know, I, I get that. You, I was also reading you. You provide so many benefits and values uh, to your members. I think that that's amazing. If you're looking to reach the TMA, the Technology and Manufacturing Association, you can go to tmaillinois.org. That's tmaillinois.org. And you've been listening to Get Down to Business. I'm Paula Peterson, standing in for our friend Shalom Klein. And we are powered by Tandem HR. We'll be right back with Steve Rauschenberger from the TMA. Hi, 
this is Paula Peterson. We are back with Get Down to Business, and I'm standing in for Shalom Klein today. And my guest is Steve Rauschenberger, president of the Technology and Manufacturing Association, also known as the TMA, right in Schaumburg. Yes. Hi, welcome back. Thank well, you. Thank you. Well, right before the break, you had said this word that was pretty intriguing to me, and that was the gray tsunami. That's the baby boomers, and I'm I'm part of Generation X, but the beginning of it and everybody i know getting ready for retirement uh everybody's going to be leaving these technology jobs how is the tma working to not combat that but like almost bring in a new slew of talent yeah that's one of the one of the reasons the association was formed 95 years ago was to provide training for incumbent workers training for the employees of the members of the association so we've got a 90-year history of, of upskilling employees. We've just kind of sort of put that on steroids over the last five years because as we look at the demographics of what's happening on the factory floors, what's happening in the tool rooms of, throughout Chicago, there is a, a large cadre of very skilled, very bright employees in their mid-60s and older who we're talking in to stay in another year or two, oh but we need to make sure there's somebody in the pipeline behind them. So TMA runs a, a pretty robust uh, training center at our Schomburg location. We have classes uh, five days a week. We we teach some high school students. We uh, mo- the most of our training is for the incumbent em- the employees of our, our members. We also do some um, workforce development with Bethel New Life, um, which is a, a it's, I think West Side Forward is their new name on the West Side of Chicago, where we're taking and helping people change careers. Maybe they work at a Walgreens mm-hmm. or a Wendy's and they want to get a career in manufacturing. We work together to bring them to Schomburg to give them those skills to join the, the manufacturing industry. We've also done some work with Safer Foundation, which is a, a, a foundation that works with nonviolent um, criminal offenders. Okay. So we're, as they're bringing them back, we're, we're giving them the job skills that they can go into manufacturing jobs uh, instead of into something else that they shouldn't do. Um, so we, we do a little workforce development. We do a lot of work with high schools, supporting them. We do some high school training on site. And then we have a pretty robust program, probably around 1,100 students a year go through some of the classwork, these these employees, employees of mem- members, through um, some upskilling program at TMA. Give me an example. Do you, does, I know I'm putting you on the spot. Does anything come to mind? You know, I've, I've been to the, been to the, the the offices. I was just amazed at the size. Wait, speaking of amazed, it was like amazed because you're just like walking from room to room to room. But you had the uh, make sure I'm saying this right. The CNC machines, right, CNC machines, uh, a lot of computer rooms. You're teaching people technology, but you know, I I think a big story right now is uh, we need people in the trades, and uh, not every person, a kid coming out of high school or maybe has just graduated, is not really cut out to go to college or enter that profession that their parent really wanted them to be in, but they're looking for something. Or how about the people who want to reinvent themselves? Right. And you know, we're not all going to get rich uh, inventing the next app for the iPhone. Right. So, but, but interestingly enough, a lot of the work in advanced manufacturing today is a lot like app development. Sure. We teach people how to write G code and how to turn, you know, how to, to take an object and, and, 
train the machine to produce it with precision. So there's opportunities for people with computer skills. There's opportunities for people that are autodidactic that like to work with their hands. You know, people. So th- these are these are the kind of jobs that you can be in six figures in five years. Sure. Um, and instead of having college debt, the the advanced education in manufacturing is almost always paid for by the employer. Mm-hmm. So if we can get a, a, a bright 19-year-old or a 20-year-old who wants to change things, Wait, there, say there's that opportunity. Again. <laughs> say, no, seriously, say that again. I know so many parents like me, uh, friends with kids who are, you know, they're always worried, should they get this degree, that degree? Say that again. So who's paying for that? Uh, the, the, tra- the advanced training and the, f- the higher education in the manufacturing industry is almost always paid for wow. by the manufacturer, by the employer. Okay. There's a strong tradition of if we can get a bright young person, a young lady, a young man who's got the skills and is interested, mm-hmm. um, they will put them through the training class at TMA. They will generally support them if they want to do community college work. In addition, a lot of them go on to engineering. Uh, oh, and right. Because the, the manufacturer is interested in that the, the lifelong set of skills. It's not, you know, I, I, they're not baristas. This is not about shift work. This is about engagement with companies that have a future. Yeah. And how does that work with engineering programs? Are you do you get people that might have their bachelor's degree in engineering and then come back? to get more training, or is it the opposite? Are they getting training first and then going back for that engineering degree? Well, there's lots of kinds of engineering. Okay, okay. You know, yes. Yeah. Manuf- manufacturing, manufacturing, engineering, industrial, production, industrial, right. For the most part, the, the, about half of those uh, young people go directly to engineering school and find their way back. But uh, a lot of them actually start in manufacturing. Another big group of them start in manufacturing, skill up, learn, and then follow on with their education. Because as I say, the, instead of instead of starting out 19 years old with a $40,000 uh, federal loan that they're going to chase you the rest 40, of your life. More right? like 80. Yeah. <laughs> started a job that's going to pay you $18 an hour and that an employer who's interested in keeping you and helping you skill up. And let let that company help you pay your way through school. So eight years from now, instead of having one point one hundred sixty thousand dollars in debt, you, you've got a you've got a nice car in the garage. You've you got a down payment on a house, and and you know you, you've your education's paid for. Um, so it, it's a it's a very very practical route for people who are interested in in, in those kind of opportunities. Now, see, I think that's just amazing is to be able to offer people a different option. Uh, you know, take a situation that could uh, be daunting for them or find as an obstacle, turn that around and start entering uh, a new phase of their life where they're really taking their career to the next level. And Interestingly enough, in Israel, they they don't let high school seniors go to college. They, they, they you have to take between one and three years off before they will admit you to higher education. They want people to kind of find themselves and find their skills and find their path before they invest in higher ed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the United States, we're, we're in such a rush to fill the seats at our universities and collect tuition that we're moving young people kind of without a sense of direction into higher education. Yeah. And that, that's a mistake. I oh, mean, I'm seeing that all the time. Yeah. Take, take two years off. Go make something. Go do something. Go find something that you like or something, at least understand what you don't like. So that when you do that higher education, you know, it's for a purpose. And if you're just joining us, this is Paula Peterson. I'm Paula Peterson with Get Down to Business. And I'm talking to Steve Rauschenberger, president of the TMA. And he's offering, I think, awesome advice. I mean, you are really um, telling people, I mean, 
being really realistic with people about careers right now, um, education, schooling. Uh, I, I think that's amazing. What are some other ways? How does the TMA reach out to those groups of people to let them know about these services? Um, uh, well, services, classes, how do you want me to say that? Well, well the, the, the members, the, the, the thousand members uh, have the catalog and we email and talk with them and they, they schedule their their employees in for training based on their needs. But for the rest, we, 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 we are very active with about 23 high schools. Oh. We sponsor uh, high school advisory uh, committees where we get local manufacturers, mostly TMA members, but a lot of times not TMA members, in conversation with, with high school principals and with high school guidance counselors so they understand the opportunities. We try to facilitate internships over Christmas break, Easter break, and over the summer and engage, you know, people in, in, in so they understand what manufacturing is. We also sponsor what we call the Precision Machining Competition. Uh, last year, I think we had 31 high schools participate. The students in their classes produced um, um, from blueprints produced manufacturing products and sent it to us for judging. And we have a big pizza party, the world's oh, wow. biggest pizza party <laughs> at, at the Mazak uh, facility with, with their beautiful machinery. And uh, we, we give out scholarships and awards to people that did well in it. And a lot of those young people get job offers that night because the TMA members set up tables to talk about their company and try to attract these bright young people who've yeah. done machining. So, we, you know, we, we have lots of ways where we're trying to kind of sort of uh, raise people's awareness and understanding about manufacturing and about the career opportunities in manufacturing and, and hoping to also influence public policy so that the, the school boards and the school superintendents and the high school principals get past this idea that smokestack America is gone and that manufacturing doesn't take place in Illinois. Illinois is is one of the heartlands of American manufacturing. Yeah, it is. I mean, and you're headquartered, obviously, in the heartland right. here. And sticking with that whole mission to help members, you say, achieve profitable growth and business success through your advocacy, right? right. Education, networking, um, and information, your programs, and everything. If you're interested in finding Steve and more information, all you need to do is to go to tmailinois.org. That's tmailinois.org. Steve, any other way they can reach you? Yes, if they uh, the Google Technology and Manufacturing, they'll find our LinkedIn, yep. they'll find our, our Facebook, uh, our other social connections. They can email me at sjr, my initials, sjr at uh, tmailinois.org. Steve Rauschenberger, thank you so much. This is Paula Peterson with Get Down to Business. Have a very successful week. Welcome back. You're listening to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We're powered by Tandem HR. Check out their website, tandemhr.com. Um, so I'm thrilled to be joined by Eric Wright, uh, one of the co-authors of a fantastic new book that I was fortunate enough to uh, get a sneak peek at, Dogs Don't Bark at Parked Cars, Your GPS in an Era of Hyper Change. Eric Wright, welcome to the program. It's good to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So uh, the book, which of course will make sure uh, folks know how to uh, how to find. You really talk a lot about the new direction leadership that uh, that that folks need to take in order to effectively steer the uh, the challenging workforce. And we just had a, a bit of a conversation with my last guest. But uh, Eric, tell me what was the inspiration for this new book? Well, my partner and I have been writing business journals, publishing business journals for over 12 years. 
And in the course of that time, we have interviewed hundreds of CEO, small business entrepreneurs, scaling business entrepreneurs, uh, the full gamut, you know, from technology to hospitality. And we began to identify certain qualities that we saw in the ones that were successful in the long term. The ones that not only built successful scaling businesses, but the ones who continued to inspire employee engagement, employee innovation, employee lo- uh, loyalty. And, and, it, and it, it was almost like a checklist after a while that, that we began to look at as we interviewed individuals. And then we sort of put this into our book, Dogs Don't Bark at Park Cars, um, in order to help people, especially aspiring entrepreneurs, to understand, hey, there, there, there are certain things that you're going to have to incorporate um, into who you are as a person sure. uh, that maybe you didn't learn when you were getting your MBA. So, Eric, I'm sure that you uh, you started to pick up themes, and I, I pick up these themes as I interview uh, CEOs on this program. You started to, to surely identify themes from all of your interviews with these individuals and successful entrepreneurs. Can you share one or two of them with our listeners of things that you've seen in, in highly effective CEOs and how they work with people? Sure. I would say I would say the first and foremost, and I know it's going to resonate with you and probably everybody in the audience, is you have to build a foundation of trust. Um, if people trust you, transactions move speedily. Once mistrust enters the equation, everything slows down, and therefore everything costs more money. Um, and so, so establishing trust as the the guiding principle in a business relationship is everything. Well, it it's got to be the guiding principle in every relationship. And it really I mean, doesn't matter what industry you're in. It's probably industry agnostic. It it, it it doesn't matter that that level of trust is critical, regardless of what type of company you have. Oh, exactly. Well, it's let's face it. It's true with your children. <laughs> it's true with your spouse. It's true with everybody. Um, if if you're trusted then, you know, a handshake is all that's necessary to move the deal along. If you're not trusted, then it's going to require all kinds of due diligence, all sort of, you know, experts are going to have to be brought into the equation. Time begins to mount up. uh, Expense begins to mount up, all of which can be avoided if there is trust. And so I would say that's one of the key ones. And what we recognized was that really trust is built on two things. It's built on competence and character. It's, you know, do I have the ability to deliver what I say I'm going to do? And, and do I have the kind of character that people can rely on? You know, let's face it, we've, we've met a lot of people that have, you know, wonderful character, but I don't necessarily want them doing brain surgery on me, you know? Of course. And then, and then, and then we've met people that are absolute whizzes, maybe in the market. But, you know, something inside of you says, you know, I I just don't trust this guy. I don't trust this gal. And so when you have those two running together, almost like two rails of a train track, you know, you've got a combination that is always going to win. 
Well, I don't want to give it, it all away because I want to make sure our listeners can uh, can find the book, um, which I know it's available okay. on on Amazon. And you and your co-author um, uh, Jeff, so Jeff you, Purcell, Jeff Purcell. So, so uh, uh, you have written this fantastic book, "Dogs Don't Bark at Parked Cars: Your GPS in an Era of Hyper Change." It's a fantastic read um, because you profile and you and, and these interviews with uh, with these CEOs, as we said just a moment ago, identifying these themes and really talking about those core competencies, core competencies that are musts in building trust. And uh, you you really touch also on how high tech. Uh, must uh, and has to be countered with high touch. Lots of great themes in the book. So um, once again, we're chatting with uh, Eric Wright, co-author of the book. Uh, Eric, how can uh, people uh, learn more? I know you've written a lot with Jeff in the past. How can people learn more about you and your co-author and uh, purchase a copy of the book? Well, um, of course, you can get the book at Amazon.com. As you mentioned, you can go to DogsDon'tBark.com, and from there, you know, you can be guided to other materials that uh, we have put together. Um, and uh, Jeff has his site. We have a, a new site that we're launching called Ethical Capitalism, um, which really helps underscore many of the themes we talk about in the book. All right, awesome. Well, buy the book on Amazon. Check out the website, DogsDon'tBark.com. Thank you so much, Eric Wright, for joining us. We're going to be back with another author in just a moment. You're listening to Get Down to Business. We're powered by Tandem, by Tandem HR. We'll be right back. So my next guest has over a decade of experience in human resource management, corporate social responsibility. Uh, Alessandra uh, Cavaluzzi uh, joins me now on Get Down to Business on a topic which I am extremely fascinated, extremely passionate about. Uh, she recently wrote a book, A Million Dollars in Change, How to Empower Your Employees, Attract Top Talent, and Make uh, the World a Better Place. What a great topic. Alessandra, thank you so much for joining me on Get Down to Business. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk about your inspiration for the book. And then, of course, I want to make sure we get right down to it and share some advice for all of our entrepreneurs that might be tuning in tonight. So, Alessandra, it's a great topic. Um, How did you get this inspiration? So um, the reason why I really wrote the book was over the years um, and speaking to a lot of business professionals and also nonprofits, um, one of the things in, in my role, because I'm director of community relations at my company, um, I often go out and I speak on the topic of corporate social responsibility, and I discuss ways that companies can give back to the community. A lot of the times afterwards, people will come up to me and say, you know, I really love this idea, and I would love to engage my employees and being part of giving back to the community, but I just don't know where to start. And many times it's because they think that, um, they don't have enough resources or a budget that's big enough in order to make a real difference. And so I heard this over and over, this theme, and it really inspired me to write the book because there are many, many ways that companies can give back and they can, they can engage their employees that really don't require a lot of money. And that's really where the title of the book came from, A Million Dollars in Change, um, because you don't need a million dollars in order to create impactful change. So and in so, the book, you share uh, you share some of those ideas about how uh, even a small company can make a really large uh, impact. Um, so, uh, Alessandra, the, the 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 book you're, you you mention. Uh, let's take the title and let's break it down. You talk about how to how to engage your employees, attract top talent, and make the world a better place. Let's work backwards. How to make the world a better place? So, um, 
So a lot of us uh, get involved in charities because it's a good thing to do. Um, you you really touch on in this book how to do it and and inspire others. And because it's a good thing to do and because it will actually be good for your company as well. Um, are, do you believe that that companies uh, that 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 companies without this inspiration uh, don't uh don't don't have these programs in place. Uh, are are you uh, in this to try to uh, share best practices and help companies uh, that might not have a CSR officer, somebody that's dedicated to this, to 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 uh, to, to share those ideas? Yes, absolutely. And really, you know, when I hear from my nonprofits, because I work with many over the years, one of the things that they'll say often is, we just, we wish that we could just let companies know, if there was a way to let them know that if we just want them to do something, if they all just did something, imagine the impact it would make in the world. And so this was kind of my personal way of giving back to the community and helping to get the word out to say, you know, there's, there's no wrong way to give. Uh, every effort is valuable, whether you're helping two people or 200, the impact is, is the same. So, you know, there, there is value in it, and that's really, yes, to your point, that's why I wrote the book, so that it inspires others, hopefully. Um, you know, it, I didn't have a CSR department at my company, uh, so it does, you don't need a full-blown CSR uh, program or, or a department in order to get started. Uh, there are tips in the book that help you to start out. And it's a process over time. It's a journey. That's something that I think people um, should keep in mind. It's, you know, you don't flip a switch and you're doing a ton of different things overnight. You know, it's a process. It's a marathon, not a sprint, as we say. Um, but as long as you get started, because doing something beats doing nothing sure. any day. And that's really the message here. Sure. And it's not just about writing a check. And that's really important. So often exactly. uh, charity is, is, is thought of. Uh, only when I get to the point that we're really profitable can we write a really big check, and uh, and 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 that's when we'll have the impact. You say that the impact can begin at any stage, and you share those uh, those tips and and that advice to companies and CEOs of all levels in the book. The book I know is available on Amazon. Uh, it's called A Million Dollars in Change. Um, it's a fantastic read, and I encourage all of our listeners um, to. Uh, to get it, it's available um, through uh, on a Kindle. Um, it's available uh, hardcover. Uh, lots of great ways to learn. Um, but Alessandra, I want to make sure that uh, folks can read a little bit more about your uh, your prolific speaker, uh, quite quite well regarded in the human resource field. Where uh, where else can folks find you online? They can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I have a definitely you can connect with me there. I'm also on. Uh, you can reach me through email at ascavaluzzi at gmail dot com. Um, and also on Twitter, you can connect with me there as well, and on Facebook. That's fantastic. Alessandra Cavaluzzi, the, uh, the author of A Million Dollars in Change, once again, how to engage your employees, attract top talent, and make the world a better place. Um, it was just published um, just very, very recently, and I encourage all of our listeners to, again, regardless of what stage your business is in, um, you can make a huge difference, and it does not begin with a check. Um, you, it starts, uh, it starts with leadership. It starts with inspiring yep. your team. Um, so, uh, Alessandra, I hope to have you back on real soon. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, coming up after the break, we've got one more uh, uh, author and an expert for you. I'm going to be chatting with uh, Dr. Suzanne Deggs White. Um, we're going to talk about why vacation is good for you. 
and good for your business. It's a great topic, very, very timely uh, as we move into uh, July 4th and as we move into the summer vacation season. Uh, we're squeezing in uh, one more conversation, one more bit of advice for you here on Get Down to Business. We're powered by our good friends at Tandem HR, your solution center. Check out their website, tandemhr.com. And as always, get on my website, shalomkline.com. That's where you can download podcasts from all of my conversations today. Joe Risk from Matter, uh, Barry Saltzman from Saltzman Enterprises, um, and our authors on the program here today. You download podcasts. We're going to be back in just a moment with Dr. Suzanne Deggs-White. We are the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. And this summer, half of Americans won't be taking a vacation. That decision could do some serious damage to many people's health. Um, I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. Suzanne Deggs-White, the chair of the Department of Counseling at Northern Illinois University. Um, Dr. Uh, Deggs-White, thank you so much for joining me on the program. Thank you for the opportunity, Shalom. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So uh, I, I love the topic. Yeah, you say that vacation is good for you and it's good for your business. Let's talk about your research and your findings. Um, <laughs> tell, tell me a little bit about, uh, about some of the uh, important uh, highlights. Well, I think the most important thing we need to know is that vacations are good for our health, our physical body, cardiovascular health, stress, aches, and pains, but it's also essential for our own mental health. With the ideas of telepressure where we're always on call, if we don't allow ourselves to check out sometimes, we're going to be checking out of the job and checking out of a lot of things because we're not going to feel capable of moving forward. I tell all of my clients that it's important to work hard but also play hard um, for, uh, for all the time that you spend uh, in the office and, and those late nights. You've got to make sure... Um, that you can also relax and, and unwind as well. So you have some uh, very interesting uh, bits in, of information. Um, you say that uh, people who don't take a vacation for five or more years are more likely to suffer a heart attack. That is scary. That is that is some interesting research that was done. Um, it's a Framingham, Framingham Heart Health study, and it turns out that women and men both, if they don't take vacations, they are just adding to that stress. And our bodies are never given that chance to reset. You know, your computer at night, it's always good to kind of restart your computer. You've sure. got to clean all the cash out, do all these things. Well, if we're always on call and always on the job, we don't give our chan- a chance to our bodies to do that rebooting that's so essential to our health and welfare. So that was a little bit of a, uh, of a negative um, sort of uh, uh, lesson over there. Let's, let's focus on the positive. Um, one of the uh, one of the highlights of, of this of this study is also that for every ten hours of vacation time taken, your um, one's in productivity improves by eight percent. That's good yeah. news for companies. Yeah, this is great news. And also, when we when we get time away from our job and we feel good about the place we work, we're going to be a lot more loyal. We're going to be a lot more responsible, and we're going to do a better job. And we're going to stay longer at that company. We have loyalty to the places that treat us well. And so when you have employers who do mandate that their uh, employees go ahead and take their vacation days, not just let it pile up or get wiped out, those employees are going to improve the bottom line for the business. Absolutely. So uh, this is a great uh, a great reminder, a great lesson, um, both for CEOs and those hardworking entrepreneurs, um, not only for themselves, but frankly also in creating a culture and an environment and maybe even the uh, the policies um, for their workforce. If you want to have a productive workforce, a workforce that actually delivers, and as you mentioned, um, uh, Dr. Deggs White, also in being in in being loyal and staying 
within the company and, and not jumping around from job to job, uh, offer that vacation time. They actually encourage your staff uh, to take advantage of it. So uh, this that headline, I believe it was from uh, CNBC, that half of Americans won't take a vacation this summer. It's really has nothing to do with the financial situation. It actually, uh, why do you think that people are are making that conscious decision, that conscious choice? Well, a lot of times it, it's driven by fear. That we talk about the fear of missing out, and that's a very real thing. If you feel that if you're out of the job, if you're out of the office, and someone else might get that good assignment, or if your boss might think, "Oh, they're slacking. They're not. You know, they're not here at work. They should be working twenty four seven. Then that fear of not being thought capable or not feeling dedicated to your job. So we, we make the decision to work longer hours, give up vacation. It's thinking it's going to make us look better, but what it's really going to do is we, our, our productivity is going to suffer, and we might be looking for another job because we don't want to stay somewhere where we don't have the freedom to cut, take advantage of the benefits that are given because it's over 500 million vacation days were left it's on that, the table last that pressure year. and stress. So uh, what a fascinating study. Um, I know folks can learn more by going um, to the uh, university's website, niu.edu. And, uh, Dr. Dags White, thank you so much for joining me on the air. To success, let's get down to business. We'll talk to you next Sunday at 6 p.m. Take that vacation. Happy 4th of July. We'll talk to you next week. We've got a great lineup of guests. We'll be back. Thanks for joining us. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.